get the proof to make the sale on today's episode. Today's episode is brought to you by ConvertKit. To find out how ConvertKit can help you grow your business, save money, and increase your relationship with your email list, head over to servenomaster.com backslash ConvertKit right now. Are you tired of dealing with your boss? Do you feel underpaid and underappreciated? If you want to make it online, fire your boss and start living your retirement dreams now, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Serve No Master Podcast, where you'll learn how to open new revenue streams and make money while you sleep. Presented live from a tropical island in the South Pacific by best-selling author Jonathan Green. Now, here's your host. I hope you guys can forgive me if you hear a little bit of a background noise. I'm actually traveling uh, for a conference right now, so I'm in a hotel instead of sitting on my normal beach, and you might hear a little bit of road noise. If you do, I apologize for that. I will try and edit it out. I'm way up on the third floor, so there's not too much noise, but someone is working on, I think, Christmas decorations or something outside, so occasionally there's a little bit of noise. Today, what we're talking about is proof, and this is so important, and it's one of the most critical components of your sales letters and sales messages. This is a lesson in an episode that's very important for copywriters, but it's also very important for any type of online business, anything you wanna sell, whether it's services or consulting, you need to be able to convince people to give you money. That's what copywriting and sales is. There are two big beliefs I have when it comes to copywriting. The first is in beats. I believe that the order in which you have your sections is very important. I think the order is more important than the actual words. Second is proof. Proof should really be the highlight of your page. And having different types of proof will make the difference and be the difference between a successful and a failed sales page. Now, yesterday, when we were talking about uh, working as a copywriter, one of the things we talked about I mentioned was when I started my SEO business, I had to make proof websites to show that I could rank. What I was providing was what's called a case study. A case study, some people might call it a customer success story, is this where you show that someone bought your product or used your service and went from A to B. If your service was SEO like mine, you would show how you improved their rankings or brought them more customers, or even better, brought them more sales and helped them generate more revenue. Having a customer tell an entire story is very valuable. And rather than just say, that you delivered the service, what you want from your customer is to talk about how you delivered real results, real benefits. Oh, he saved me a bunch of time. Oh, she helped me make more money. That's really where the value is in a case study. So a case study follows the journey of a project, often comes with some cool graphics or a line graph. And this flows into the next one is a testimonial. So a case study is often you writing about a project you worked on and showing some proof elements, showing whether it's statistics or numbers. A testimonial is where the actual client or customer writes something or makes a video saying how great you were. What you really want from a testimonial is more detail, more about the journey. Oh, working with Jonathan was Great. At first, I wasn't sure about working with him. You know, I wasn't sure about hiring someone on the internet. It's a little outside what I normally do, but we talked on the phone two or three times. He was so accessible that I decided to work with him. And then we had this amazing thing. When you have a journey in a testimony, the story of where it began, the things they had to overcome. And if you go to my page and I have a page, oh gosh, I have this page on my website where I try to capture testimonials. I have people give me real feedback. And it's at servermaster.com backslash b-honest-with-me. Servermaster.com, be honest with me. And what I'm really looking for is a few key questions. And the questions I ask here are to help me get 
the testimonials I'm looking for get great testimonials. And I asked this, and these are pretty standard questions that people ask. What was the obstacle that would have prevented you from buying this product? What did you find as a result of buying this product? What specific feature did you like the most? What are three additional benefits? Would you recommend it to other people? Why? And is there anything you'd like to add? So I asked these six questions, very simple to very standard. And the reason the first question for testimonials is, what was the obstacle you'd have overcome? I want people to talk about their journey. Because when a testimonial just says, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, this is the greatest product I've ever seen, that's okay. But a better testimonial talks about the journey. If you look at my networking empire testimonials, there's one from Colin Theriot, one of the best copywriters in the world, one of the really leaders in the copywriting industry, someone who's mentored me a lot, taught me a lot about copywriting, also someone who just has a huge tribe of copywriters. Okay, great following, helps people get jobs, knows more about copywriting than pretty much anyone else around. One of the, and he's from my generation. We started in business at the same time. If you read his testimonial about me on my Networking Empires page, he talks about how the first time he saw me, he hated me. He goes, the first time I saw Jonathan, I knew immediately that I would hate him. I hated everything about him. That's such a powerful intro because I'm talking about the ability to network. What's more powerful than turning someone who hates you into a testimonial? Most people, their first thought is, oh, I should cut out all the bad parts. But no, you want to show the real parts. And uh, these six questions, I think they're taught by a lot of other people. They've been around for a while. The six questions I use for testimonials, I didn't invent those. And what's great about having those is when you say to someone, hey, write me a testimonial, it's almost always worthless. It's, much, it's very hard for people to write one that's useful because they feel like you said, hey, you're about to be on TV. Think of a speech. They create all this pressure. You want to get something much more natural. And the more you get... Uh, testimonies in the form of feedback. And the way I do it with the software I use, you write a testimonial, then it comes to me in the six questions and I kind of format it as paragraphs and send it back and say, hey, is it okay like this? It's a two-step process. So even if you uh, go to that page and submit a testimonial, I won't use it until I have your permission to use the final version of it. Another valuable way to provide proof, and this is something that you may not have even noticed, but it's all over my website. It's things like as seen on. There's a whole company called Asenon TV, and it's so fascinating because it works. When people see that little red logo that says, oh, this was seen on TV, it makes them want to buy. And all it means is, hey, someone bought an ad on TV and ran a commercial. Asenon TV doesn't prove anything, but it still works. So when people see that, oh, I've been on these radio shows and, oh, I've been seen on this website, all of those things, the more places you've been seen, the more you can use them. So generating press coverage is very, very valuable. The important thing is to use uh, press logos and press coverage that people will recognize and respond to and see as positive. You know, if you have, for example, if you, you know, want to use as a credential, like a local newspaper that no one's ever heard of, it's going to only work in that area. But if you try to use it nationally, it won't be very valuable. And the same thing, if you appear in like a magazine that most people wouldn't want to be associated with or that doesn't make any sense. You know, if I was on the cover of Heavy Metal Quarterly, would that make you want to hire me to do SEO for your business? So you want to make sure that it fits and that it's respectable. And then you just can use it very subtly. You don't have to provide a link to the original appearance. Most of my appearances, I did a bunch of radio appearances for a while to promote a product. So most of my appearances kind of went that way. So people can't go back and listen to it unless someone taped that show three or four years ago. But uh, you just say, oh, I was on this radio show, I was on that radio show. Those things add a lot of value. I've been, I'm a best-selling author is a similar thing as press coverage. It's adding an accolade or an award. Another place is social shares. When I'm looking for topics to share on these episodes, when I'm always looking for ideas, one of the places I look, and there's a couple of other ones, but I use this source called Epic Beat Epictions. I don't know, they have a weird link name, and so I'm not sure what the real name of the website is, but I'll post the link below. 
and I've shared it in the past and it's similar to BuzzSumo and it lets me search. I type in a keyword and then I search by the number of social shares. Sometimes I see a page where someone shows a link and it says, oh, this page has been shared 17 times. And the number is so low, it actually detracts. Like, oh my gosh, if it's so low, everyone must hate it. So you do want to be careful with your social sharing to make sure you have those big numbers. And what social sharing does is it provides an element of social proof. It's, oh, other people like it. And especially if you do those social shares where it shows the friends of theirs who liked your page or the friends of theirs who shared it. And they can see that stuff. And this is why uh, Facebook comments can be a double-edged sword. Sometimes at the bottom of a sales page, and a lot of the sales page templates I use, they always offer to let you have these Facebook comments at the bottom. The problem with those is if someone leaves a bad comment, you can't delete it. And you can end with a bad comment on your page. The other problem with Facebook comments, sometimes I'm looking at a product and the last comment is from like nine years ago or 18 months ago. It's old. So you have to constantly get fresh comments. So they can be more valuable and they can be really great when you're doing a launch for your product, but if you're not generating perpetual buzz, they can start to go from a positive to a negative as they go stale. Social shares and just showing, oh, this was shared on Facebook 1.7 thousand times. This was shared on Twitter 916 times. Those can become an element of social proof. And there are a lot of ways that you can show off these numbers. You can have a total shares number. If you're someone who's doing copywriting products for other people, or if you're writing blog posts, for example, and you want to get more clients, what you can show, instead of having people social share your sales page, you can show that the article you wrote last month got so many social shares. So you can show that your work itself is popular. Sometimes that's the better way to demonstrate your expertise. I watch, I think I watch every single money TV show about investing or buying or rich people helping entrepreneurs. I try to watch all of them. I don't know what happened, but at a certain age, CNBC became the channel that I watched the most shows from. And one of the things that they always ask people, especially on the Canadian shows that I watch, because I definitely watch the Canadian shows and the Australian ones too and the English ones, they always say, how many Instagram followers do you have? How many Twitter followers do you have? Your following and your social presence is often how people measure your worth. I was reading a book last week about someone bragging about having 100,000 Twitter followers. And when you check, most of the followers are bots or not real people, but people still respond to that. It's a measurement of your success and it's a way of demonstrating social proof. One of the other elements that I have, um, and I only do this on my networking page, I almost never do this, is pictures from a party I threw where a bunch of really successful marketers and me were networking together because it's a demonstration and it's a way of showing a social connection, showing that people like your work, that the rest of the world approves of your work is very valuable. Social proof is one of those elements that we often struggle to get our hands on. If you're selling a physical product, if you're doing something in the health space especially, what you may need is research studies, which is where you do a full medical test to see if people got better results. This is very, very important if you're doing a physical product or you're an inventor. I find it interesting when people screw around with research studies because smart people can tell right away when something's up. And I watch on these shows a lot of times people sometimes come in with research studies that don't say, that don't match their claims or they have a research study that is about something else. They go, oh, well, here's a research study that shows this type of thing works. And they didn't actually do a study for their own product. Now, running a study in your own product can be expensive. I know that. This is why I don't do physical products. You know, it's a very expensive upfront area. But let's say you wanted to, for example, I saw an invention where someone invented a new hard hat. 
that had a built-in solar-powered fan. I thought it was actually a pretty good invention. Makes sense, working as a construction worker in the hot sun. And they went to get an investment, and the guy says, well, have you done a study to confirm that you can use this? See, in America, you have to pass a safety rating test. You can't just say this is a hard hat. It has to pass the test to show that it does a job. A hard hat is meant to protect someone from something falling off a roof, like someone dropping a hammer on their head. So it's a very specific thing that's not about looks, it's about safety. And so you have to pass their safety inspections, and these people hadn't done it. And I found that very interesting, and I think it massively affected the valuation of their company. Oh, you have a great product, but until it passes safety inspection, that's just an idea. Understanding how studies work is critical. If you have a generic health study, I, I've watched people go, oh, here's a study that eating so see, you know, the eating seaweed is good. Here's a study showing that working out with extra weights on your clothes is good. And it goes, yeah, that's a generic study that applies to any product in your market, right? If you're trying to be a product differentiator, you have something unique, you have to do a study about your specific product. Now, it depends on the market you're in, the way you have to, you'll use these and which different proof elements you'll use. I'm always trying to have as many varied and valuable proof elements. And the more visual your proof elements are, the better. Having a list, for example, if I had a list of people that went to my high networking party, that would be okay. If I said, oh, here's a bunch of people that I've networked with or worked with in the past, I just had a list of names. That's okay. That's better than nothing. But pictures of me with them is even better than that. So the better your visual is, the more you can visually represent things. Saying I help someone go up in rankings. If you go to any SEO website, they always have that up bar graph showing more and more traffic and flying up the rankings. That's valuable. People want to see that. That's what they respond to. Lots of visuals and captions. And another way of showing proof is, of course, showing the money or showing the final results of the product. So sometimes it's a graph. If you look at any fitness product, there's always the before and after pictures. If it's a financial course, there's pictures of paychecks. And I have pictures of paychecks on some of my offers kind of showing the revenue they've generated for me. So people go, oh, this, this really works or here's what it is. You want to know what your result is. You know, sometimes I see courses that don't make a financial promise or they make a crazy financial promise. And those are the two ends of the spectrum. If you promise people make a million dollars in four days, don't do that. Like I don't go that far in that direction. It will increase your sales. The more wild your promises are and if you can get away with them, then the more money you'll make. It's unfortunate, but people really respond to those. Hey, make $38,000 in the next 45 minutes. People click and buy that stuff all the time. I don't sell that way anymore. I, I mean, I've never really sold that way. I've never gone that far down the spectrum, but I'm really not interested in over-promising. Even if it bumps my sales numbers, there's a point beyond which I don't like to go in my marketing. But understanding where that point is is very important. Understanding people will respond to that. You know, most of those fitness pictures you see, before and after pictures, they're not always the same person. They're always Photoshopped like crazy. And oftentimes what they'll do is they'll take an Olympic athlete most people who are in the Olympics don't make a lot of money. Olympics, you know, you can't get paid. You're an amateur athlete or whatever. They take these amazing athletes and they say, hey, why don't you gain a bunch of weight? Let me take some photos and then use my tool and lose a bunch of weight again. And they, and they do that a lot. And that's how they get a lot of those before and after pictures are from someone who was really ripped, put on some weight for a photo, and then got ripped again. And it's all about showing before and after pictures that technically, yeah, well, technically it is before and after picture, but it's also about massaging the truth. And, you know, as... Sun Tzu said, all warfare is built on deception. And my modification is that all warfare is built on perception. So you can create and actively seek out testimonials, actively seek out proof. You don't need to massage the results as much as, you know, creating those before and after pictures and using twins or whatever. But the more you can show the proof, 
the more your sales will happen. So if you have a good structure, the good order, following the correct beats of your sales letter, and you have really good proof elements, the rest of it almost becomes irrelevant. The rest of it, having an engaging story, having the magical words, that ends up only being 20% of it. You're 80% of the way there with the correct order and really great proof elements. So that's what you should work on more than anything else. I often find that people struggle with proof elements early on. They create a product and they want to release it as fast as possible. So they don't have any reviews. They don't have any proof it works. You know, they don't have any testimonials. And they kind of get stuck in that phase. How do I find people to do testimonials? So if you're taking work as a copywriter, you'll have clients who are like, oh, no one's ever seen it or used it. I'm still uh, testing a product right now that I want to do a big testimonial for because it's a, uh, someone who'd be a good contact for me and someone that I've known for a few years. But unfortunately, uh, last night the software glitched and I wasn't able to make the, one of the key components work. And even though I could recommend, I can tell you right now, if I recommended this product, it's a thousand dollar product and make a couple of sales this week. But I can't do it until I'm sure it works. And so one of the problems I think with the sales messaging for this product is that the Proof elements not all the way there yet because I don't think the product's ready for prime time, to be honest with you. I'm running into multiple problems with it that you really shouldn't. And I was hesitant about it. I even had someone ask me about it. I said, I can't tell you I think it's good yet. A big part of your proof is integrity. So make sure that you don't push too far. But when you're creating your sales messages, whatever you're trying to sell, whether you want someone to hire you as a consultant, whether you want someone to do buy one of your products, the ability to provide proof and testimonials is very critical. Sometimes when someone approaches me about a coaching project, they want to talk to one of my other coaching clients. Even when someone's not a referral, they end up wanting to speak to someone else. They say, oh, I want to speak to someone else to get the real deal. And I don't always let people do that. You know, I certainly, there's sometimes people are just tire kickers and you don't want to let a bunch of tire kickers hassle your real clients. But every once in a while, if someone, I'm like, if you're really serious and this is the last thing you need to do, finally talk to someone. I don't often let people do that because then it, it can become a whole thing. But sometimes that's what people need. People want to see, okay, I've seen the proof, I've seen the thing, but let me hear what the person has to say. So the more you invest time in that, and if you're working with someone as a copywriter, say, hey, why don't you give me 10 copies of the product and let me go out and get testimonials for you. Let me get some reviews. Let me get some proof stuff. That's a way you can increase your value as a copywriter. Say, hey, I also provide the testimonials. And you can have a group of people that are just your beta tester friends. And that's very, very valuable. Thinking outside the box and thinking of, ways to overcome any project, any problem in a project is really going to help you separate yourself from the competition. Most people, when they see a problem, like they get approached, someone says, hey, I've got this great product. I have no testimonials. They go, oh, well, then I can only write you a crappy sales letter. But if you're the person that goes, hey, I don't see an obstacle. I see an opportunity. Let me get you those testimonials. Let me test your product. Let me get it out there while I'm working on the copy. I can provide you with something that no one else does. And that's where you become excellent. And as part of the Serve to Master tribe, I know you strive for excellence. So these are ways you can provide amazing proof. These are ways you can become a better copywriter, sell better products, raise your rates, and become much more financially successful. All because you now understand the power and the way to deliver proof. Seven different powerful ways to deliver massive proof and increase your sales. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Serve No Master. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. We'll be back tomorrow with more tips and tactics on how to escape that rat race. Head over to servenomaster.com forward slash podcasts now for your chance to win a free copy of Jonathan's bestseller, Serve No Master. All you have to do is leave a five-star review of this podcast. See you tomorrow. You've just listened to another amazing episode of the Serve No Master podcast. Make sure to subscribe 
and we'll be back tomorrow with another amazing episode.